Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, I want to shout out the Ringer Wise Guys. This past weekend's episode on Sunday was electric. We got Bill Simmons coming on the show. He had wired earbuds on. He had his glasses on. And he just came in with hot takes. And I loved every second of it. Even Cousin Sal, I could just see how happy he was. He was smitten and he was laughing and he was smiling. He was having a great time. Um, I also put in a, uh, a guest pick this week. I picked my Chargers to beat the Cowboys. We'll see how that happens. I am not going to be going to that game because I will be in studio with Cousin Sal watching the Monday Night Football game. That'll be fun. Cowboys, Chargers, watch that. And if you're watching things, go watch Ringer Wise Guys on FanDuel TV or on Spotify on the Ringer TV feed. Go do that now. It's One Shining Podcast presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odd, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have Kyle Mann back for a Manic Monday. And guess what, folks? The AP Top 25 just dropped. And we're talking about that. And we're also going to talk about Kim Palm dropping his and the algorithms top 25. So we're going to have some fun. We're also going to talk and give out two players each that we expect to take the leap this season to go from someone you may not know to someone you have to know in college basketball. We got our two candidates. We'll have fun with that. It is also, in case you missed it, secret scrimmage season. We got all the scoops. We got all the updates. Or are they? Allegedly, they are real, but who knows? We didn't watch it. We didn't see it. They do not release the tapes because, again, these are secret scrimmages. So we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the whole uh, culture of secret scrimmages. We're also going to talk about two unbreakable records in college basketball and do some shout-outs. Kyle, anything before we get into today's episode? Well, I'm digging the censorship bleep out of the archives because I'm about to record with Joe House for four hours for NBA over-unders. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout for Welcome to One Shining Podcast. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and that's right. It is Monday, October 16th, so you know what that means. Of course, the AP Top 25 just dropped. Bum, bum, bum. Also, it's Manic Monday. Kyle, man, how you doing? Doing okay. You know, recovering. I told I texted you last night, you and Kyle, and told you I thought my brain was melting. It's right. just that time of the year, and then, you, you know, you... The COVID thing, obviously, you're always afraid. You're always a little, you know, I, I don't know if you guys, I, I'll gauge this off of you in a second, but, you know, once you have a toddler too, there's just, there's just viral energy in the air all the time. You know, you you never know. It's like, do I have botulism? Do I, you know, it, it, WebMD doesn't really do me any favors. So I think I'm on the upswing though. I think we're, I think we're doing good. I, I don't I don't sound perfect, but I, I definitely have that. Uh, are you all judgmental kind of people? Like, how do you react when there's they're like coffers in your vicinity? You know, that's kind of that's what I wanted to ask because I, I get pretty, you know, I, I get I get I get a little judgmental if somebody's got a deep cough and they're out. I don't know. L.A. is also different than Kentucky. Yeah, it's uh, you have the seasons, right? You're really going through it right now. Like fall is actually settling in. The seasons are changing. People are getting sick. You don't know the level of sick that people are on. I don't even have COVID tests in my house. You have COVID tests still. So shout out to you for for being prepared for that. I uh, when I see oh I went and bought it I went and bought it I didn't have it so okay okay well that that makes me feel better because I was like damn Kyle man is prepared this man has the home test still at his house Um, I I am uh, I'm one of those people that I give you two coughs they're good you know what I mean I (laughs) I let those slide but once you go past two coughs especially if you're openly coughing right there's a lot of people that have the courtesy of a cough into a shoulder cough into a sleeve whatever it may be but the people that are just like 
like completely out into the public. Coughing like kids. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what the terrible two-year-olds do, right? That's their go-to move. And then just have snot running down their face constantly. I, I see it with my my beautiful nieces that I love. I mean, but it it happens. And then I think when you have kids, like it just ups the ante of sickness. Right? It just takes it to a different level. So I feel for you and I appreciate you fighting through it for us. We need it. We 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 appreciate the energy here at OSP. It's okay. You know, people have been through worse. I was going to say one of the worst things that I've ever seen in that on that front is our flight to Sweden. Recently, a bunch of us Spotifyers went to Sweden. Sorry, Kyle. Um, and we were on the plane on the way out there. There was a lady across the uh, it was like it was like three or four seater in the middle. And then there was a lady across from me on the other side. And she had a full box of teen Kleenexes. And she was sneezing and coughing the whole flight. Like, not, a, you know, it's it, it's just it's it's extra offensive if you've come with a big box of Kleenexes. I mean, you premeditated this. You didn't think in a considerate way, like maybe I shouldn't get on a plane. Uh, I would have been pretty upset at that person. I don't but, think I'm know. canceling my flight either, though. I got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest. Like, what am I well, supposed to do? Not take the flight? And then the courteous answer right. would be yes. Reschedule right. your trip. But I'd be like, how, how much dude? too much courtesy is the real question. What is right. the you got to live your life, bro. I mean, if you spend over a thousand dollars on this flight and you know you're just going to get some credits back. You're saying my courtesy can only go so far. I have to come on here with the, with a few boxes of Kleenexes and uh, and get after it. I mean, it's a dangerous game out there. Shout out to everyone transitioning from summer to fall. You get sick. There's also the allergies, which are confusing as far as sickness. Then you oh, got yeah. flu. You have to go get your flu shot. Um, when you live somewhere where you have four seasons, you're really playing uh, a dangerous game out there with your sickness levels. And uh, shout out to everybody that's going through it. Here in Los Angeles, we get like the smallest, you know, minutia of that reality and we act like babies about it. So um, you're, you're fighting the real fight out there. We're just out here trying to to act like it's really happening here as well. So um, it, it's no thing. And uh, we appreciate you doing it. Can we talk My about pleasure. Yeah. Can we talk about the AP top 25? Because it's officially out. And I have the top teams listed. The Kansas Jayhawks for number one, which uh, on the OSP preseason top 25, I put Duke number one as a joke to put the pressure on them. But Kansas is the real number one team. So Kansas at number one. The Blue Devils come in at number two. They had three first place uh, or sorry, 11 first place votes. Uh, number three is Purdue, who had three first place votes. Number four is Michigan State, who had one first place first place vote. And number five is Marquette, who had zero first place votes. And then number six, the reigning national champs, UConn, who had two first place votes. Kyle, man, when you see the AP top 25, is it right? Is it wrong? Um, is it exactly what you expected? What jumps out to you when you hear that top five? Or, or should I say top six? Because UConn gets in there with a couple first place votes. Yeah, I was just really enjoying you saying first place vote over and over and over, over again. That was a, that was a fun yeah, that was a fun vocal acrobatic thing you just did there. I I'm impressed. Um looking at it, I mean, I think it's it's fair that Kansas is is there. You know, they have a lot of experience. They have a lot of guys that are proven. You know, obviously they lost that tough game to to Arkansas. I, I believe that was in the uh in the Sweet 16 that Tate that you and I enjoyed. In total, no one else enjoyed it with us at Tom's Watch Bar in L.A. at L.A. Live. Um, memorable, memorable game. Um, I I was kind of comparing it, kind of cross-referencing it with uh, with the Ken Palm top, you know, which the Ken Palm is, you know, purely it's analytics driven. There's some interesting kind of things if you go through and look here. Like it was interesting to watch uh, where North Carolina was and where Arizona was whenever they added Caleb Love because he was so inefficient last year. You saw them kind of take a ding. Um I feel like Gonzaga is a little high in the Ken Palm. They, they're at five. In the AP, they are, let's see, they're at 11. I like that a lot better. Do we feel like, is FAU getting, the tournament bump is kind of an annual thing that happens. You know, whenever a team goes on a big run, your Tar Heels last year, people run it back. You assume, you know, I know the pieces fits, uh, to quote uh, Maynard James Keenan there. I don't know why I did that, but we'll keep moving. Um, <laughs> they, we assumed that it was going to work and it just kind of didn't. And, you know, I, I'm kind of wondering, do you think that the the bump that Florida Atlantic got, is that fair or do we, is it, are they going to come back to earth a little bit now that people have, they're not going to catch anybody's surprise? How do we feel about FAU? Yeah, top 10 in the AP poll. So FAU and Dusty May, they won the PR war. And uh, like you said, we saw UCLA have that bump. Carolina had that bump. FAU is kind of the team this year. 
that gets that bump. I like this team a lot. I think that they're going to have a National Player of the Year candidate on this team with our guy Johnny. We'll talk about him, I'm sure, when we do our characters list. But, um, you know, a triple-double machine. I think that number 10 is a little bit high, um, especially when you look at some of the teams around them. Like if FAU played Miami um, straight up right now and you told me, gun to my head, I have to pick one of these teams to win the game, I think I would take Miami just because I think they have more talent. Um, but I like the continuity of FAU. I like the coaching of Dusty May. This is going to be the make it or break it. If Dusty May can pull up Brad Stevens and take FAU back to the Final Four, potentially to a national championship game, I think you know he's going to become the new darling of coaching in, in American basketball. So we're going to talk about Dusty May a lot. Who knows what kind of bump he gets, but uh, top 10 is something. And I know somebody who's watching that closely. His name is Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway wants every bit of FAU, especially if they're a top 10 team. Um, and Memphis is a team that's not in the top 25. In fact, they only got seven votes. And I think Memphis is going to be a team to be reckoned with. I know they still have some, some DeAndre Williams questions to be answered. Um, the Mikey Williams situation does not look good. So I don't even think, you know, I think the answer is already kind of the writing on the wall is there for that one. But I thought that was fascinating that uh, FAU gets that big of a bump after uh, the tournament run last year. That might turn out all right for Memphis, like it, all things considered. I don't know that Mikey Williams was going to be the savior. Now, I mean, I think yeah, he could have right. helped, but I, w- I wouldn't I, I wouldn't get too bent out of shape about that one. I'm not saying the Memphis fans are. Yeah, there's some other uh, top 25 like uh, notes of teams that did not make the top 25 that you may have expected. Wisconsin uh, is right on the, uh, the heels there. They get 53 votes. They're right on the outside looking in. UCLA, not in the preseason top 25. I thought that uh, with this revamped roster, um, with some of the names that are coming in and some of the names that we kind of know, like uh, Adim Bonin is a guy who I think is going to take a leap into the forefront and people are going to know him a little bit more this year than they did last year. Um, and, you know, they're they're fascinating. St. John's also did not make the AP Top 25. Is this a Rick Pitino smear campaign by the AP, or AP voters? Like every other writer and journalist that I know has Rick Pitino in the Top 25. Why did they do this, Kyle, man? How could they do this to Rick Pitino? I they massacred our boy. It really, you know, I, I, I like this. The chippy energy, I think, is going to be good for Rick. We don't want him coming in with with big expectations. He's got he's got a lot. He's got some stuff to prove. St. John's has got to get back different conference, you know, for for Rick this year, as opposed to Iona and all that stuff. Um, I, I agree with you about the UCLA thing. I wanted to touch on, I, I think, specifically in the analytics sense, um, some of the they have such a strong international presence coming in that we talked about when I butchered all those uh, international names, uh, but we, we won't try to do that one again. But I think some of that is kind of hard to quantify into what some of these college basketball algorithms, especially you think about going from competition level to competition level. It's just not possible. So you can kind of get get as close as you want, uh, but not in the top twenty five is a little surprising you know it's like is are they for sure you know going to be worse than san diego state i mean you could just go down through here it's some some, not having them above some of these teams is a little egregious it makes me wonder if like the ap just kind of doesn't know what to do with them the ap is always wrong especially with their preseason rankings and we enjoy that as we watch the college basketball seasons play out i think the the real um you know kind of uh wink wink on the ap top 25 is usc and 21. I think that is a Bronny James AP is trying to make sure that we they get into the brand game there with Bronny and they're saying you're a preseason number 21 team because I mean you you leave out I think Virginia is a team that should be in consideration I think Maryland is a team that should be consideration potentially there um, uh, like I said Memphis before even Indiana fans are up in arms about this because they like their roster this year with some of the additions that Michael Woodson had we'll talk about another one uh, you know as we get later into the episode here but in general um, I think Bronny James and U.S. Being number twenty one, that's a that's a big one, and uh, you know what I mean. When you just think about twenty one Savage, they can like put little videos together. I mean, there, there's a lot that they can do with them being ranked number twenty one, and I feel like the AP wink wink knew what they were doing with that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, another thing with these AP is it, it is kind of driven the human error, obviously. You have two sides of the spectrum here. I think you've got the you've got the Kim Pom thing, which is analytics driven, and then you have the human side of it, which is driven a lot by you know information that the, that people get. That you know we know that like conversations go on between coaches, between players, between writers, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. That can influence how people feel about a team. Maybe they got persuaded to b- believe in a team more than they did in the past, or or dissuaded. You know, so that's another thing to consider. You talk about it being wrong. Um, it, I just think the the human element with with the AP top twenty five is just uh, we've seen it perpetually just 
off the mark. Can we talk about Kim Pom? Because Kim Pom's whole adage is that he's always on the mark. And every time that anyone in the game wants to say that it is leaning this way or that way, Kim Pom comes in and says, actually, this is the answer. Well, actually, I, this is the right answer. And I think that's I forgot. What, I forgot right. you have beef with him, right? No, you have beef with no Kim beef. Pom. I have no beef. I have beef with anyone. I have beef with know-it-alls. Uh, I call them Kias. And when the Kias come in and they start like getting loud and telling you why you're actually wrong and well, actually, and um, you know, as predicted and things like that, I don't. I don't like these types of terms because I don't think anybody knows anything. So, um, I that's that's all it is. No beef, just reality. And they have Kim Palm, uh, the algorithm, not the man. The algorithm has Purdue as the number one team. Now, I mentioned this talking about the Big Ten media voters. They had Purdue as the preseason number one team to win the league. And I said that this should not happen based on the fact they lost to a 16 seed. There has to be some sort of punishment somewhere. And I think it should come from the media where it's very subjective and pointless anyway. So why not give them a little slap on the wrist for what we saw, not just give them all the awards. Kim Palm says, nay, the preseason number one team is Purdue. Are you buying into the hype? Is Purdue the best team in basketball, you think, with Zach Eady? Uh, I'm not buying into the hype right now just because I think I agree with you. You know, there's the penance thing. Um, there's the thing hey, in sports. Penance. Yeah, there's there's a thing in sports. I mean, we're you know, it wasn't just the 16 seed last year. It was, you know, the year before they lost to a 15. And right. I guess it was the Sweet 16 uh, against St. Peter's. Um, it's a team that has to kind of win us back. There are some teams and players that enter this zone uh, that I call the win me back zone. You know, I've, Zion, I was watching him last night with the Pelicans and I was like, huh, Zion's out there. And I was like, I'm not going to get, you know, normally you get a little, you're like, Zion's playing. Ooh, there's like, there's an energy, you know, it's just kind of, Zion has fully entered win me back zone where I'm like, all right, man, you got to prove before I get, you know, before I Charlie Brown with the football again. Um, so I think that's kind of where I am with Purdue. Um, Edie obviously is going to be dominant to a certain point. You know, during the regular season, he's probably going to continue to be dominant, you know, but you, you know, you're painting a masterpiece with these teams. So we're going to be talking about the end of the year to see if when it comes down to these half court situations again, where they can spread Purdue out, you know, which is kind of what has happened the past couple of years. Um, we'll see if they can get over that hump. They kind of, I'm not going to like ding them down to like 25, but like coming in and saying like, you know, bow down. Wow, this team is kind of the, the, it's sort of the beginning steps of the coronation that we do some years with teams. You remember, like, I guess it was like 09 Carolina. We came into the year, we were like, oh my God, what a roster, you know, we we're just kind of just falling all over ourselves. I'm not ready to give Purdue that energy. It's no disrespect to their, to their wonderful people, but uh, they, they have some, uh, they have some winning me back to do. Yeah, and I like to see big dog Glenn Robinson on campus, uh, number one pick in 1994 NBA draft. He was there with Zach Eadie. They took a little photo together. I like that energy. Let's get big dog in the building. Let's bring some of that tenacity. Let's bring some of that fight. Purdue, they need a – I think this is the year that they officially – we're on the clock. You need a Final Four. And if you do not get to the Final Four, I'm going to have to turn my nose up and vote you fourth in the Big Ten next year. You know what I mean? This year, I think they should have been voted third. Um, Michigan State should have been voted first, just out of the penance uh, that we were talking about. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm over it. I'll let Purdue slide this time. Kim Palm says the numbers add up. Uh, Kim Palm, that uh, Purdue is the number one team in the country. So I'll let that slide until the basketball starts playing. I wanted to do a fun exercise with you today. I want to talk about... We're going to each give out a player, in fact, two players that we think, uh, if you don't know now, you're going to know as this season rolls out and rolls along, and they're going to be guys that we're talking about throughout this year. And I wanted to throw my first guy at you and get your thoughts. And this is, uh, you know, I mentioned UCLA not being in the top 25. I think one of the guys that's going to stand out for this team was a freshman last year. In fact, one freshman of the week uh, after a great performance against Denver, 11.6 assists, um, you know, his win shares, if you look at them, they were higher than Amari Bailey. But he also had the unfortunate moment of Julian Strother hitting the shot, the game winning shot, uh, Gonzaga in the, you know, in the NCAA tournament last year. And, and after the game, of course, Mick Cronin points out that Dylan Andrews was sagging off too far on Strother, uh, basically putting, uh, you know, the blame on a freshman, but also putting the pressure on him to take that next step. And I think Dylan Andrews is, of course, who I'm talking about. And Dylan Andrews this year is going to run this offense. I think he's going to be the lead guard for UCLA. He looked good abroad when they were playing. And Jame Jaquez, who I have a lot of faith in, said that this is the next guy up for UCLA. So my first guy, Dylan Andrews, guard UCLA. I think he's going to be second team Pac-12. You know, Pac Last year, the Pac-12, he's going to be an all-conference type player. And I think he's going to get this team into the conversation as, you know, 
respectfully a top 25 to say the least. You know what I mean? I think UCLA has a lot of upside, a high ceiling, and Dylan Andrews is going to be driving that bus. How do you feel about Dylan Andrews? And do you think we're going to be talking about him as this season rolls along? I think so. Um, You know, you talk about like the... I feel good about him. Uh, I was going to say you were talking about McCronin sort of holding him accountable and saying he didn't have his hand up. I mean, that's just a function of, you know, the best programs have accountability, you know, and I, I think the best situations do. And I think your point about that sort of just pushing him to say, okay, hey, you know, you made that mistake. Don't make it again. This is the next step. Right. You know, I love redemption middle- too. You know what I mean? Like Isaiah Hicks had the shot. Chris Jenkins hits the shot over Isaiah Hicks. He goes in after the game, says it's his fault. Even though the whole team is like, no, it's not your fault. We're not putting it on you. But in his mind, it was. Chris Jenkins practiced with Carolina all summer. Nate Britt, his brother, was on the team. Isaiah Hicks couldn't even talk to them, couldn't even look at him, was disgusted by it. I think that they've done the same type of things to Dylan Andrews because when they talk about last season, he is disgusted by it. And I I think he's going to take that next leap because of it. And that's why college is fun, right? There's so much room for growth. And as your role um, increases because of the opportunity that's there, you see guys who have this ability, have had this ability, really just step into that role and become great. And I think he's one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, his his minutes were, were pretty sparing last year. I think it was only like just a little over 10. Yeah, 10.9. Uh, you know, in the last five games, that uptick to three, 13.8. So he got a little more run toward, a little more trust towards the end of the year. But, I mean, he's a super, super fast kid, you know, 6'2". Um, really, really gets the defense on their heels and transition a lot. He's one of those guards that's so fast that, like, he gets everybody on their heels. So he has that kind of mid-rangey kind of, uh, you see this from, like, Derrick Rose and Scoot. That's obviously kind of a, a different level of power and athleticism. But Andrews is so fast that he he creates shots for himself in that range. But, you know, the question is going to be, um, you know, he shares the ball pretty well. We really want to see the three-point, you know, percentage improve this year if he's going to be a guy who could stretch the defense. He was only 31.7 this past year, 40th percentile. Uh, but I like him. He's he's going to be, you know, they've hung their hat on defense the past couple of years, and I think he fits that profile for them. So ball pressure, transition, getting them out, getting the ball, kind of taking over the Tiger Campbell thing a little bit. Yeah, Tiger Campbell is obviously on the Magic now, and Dylan Andrews can finally step into that role. And uh, Tiger Campbell felt like he was there forever. I mean, he was there back when Steve Offer was there. So it's a new day at the point guard position for UCLA. They also have this guy. Is it Jan Vide? Jan Vidi? Jan, Jan whatever? The six foot six uh, guard that's coming in. Uh, he's also going to be someone that's playing point guard as well. So I, I think that their backcourt is going to be fascinating. And like I said, I think UCLA, I'm shocked that they're not in the AP top 25. And I think with Dylan Andrews, if you don't know now, you know he's going to be a star this year. Who do you got first up, Kyle, man? I was saying we really need the uh, the Kirk Franklin drop on this part. Though. If you don't know now, you know from Stomp, right? right? You know right. you're a Southern Baptist boy, right? You're you're from the South. Yeah, I'm sure you know that song. That was that many many a hype Sunday morning. So that's I did not expect group. a Kirk Franklin shout out, but I respect that. That's good stuff. <laughs> well, when you you know if you don't know now, you know. Uh, I don't I don't I think we could probably get sued if we try to put that in there. But uh, yeah, I was gonna you know you. <laughs> you were talking about the. Uh, I'm not going to go as high major here a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a guy that I think is going to get a little draft discussion this year, but he's going to be a great college player too. And that's Dylan Jones from Weaver State. Um, he's a guy who pulled out of the draft. Um, he has sort of like a slow mo kind of. He's six six. He shoots the ball pretty well. Um, gets to the lane. Just kind of kind of carves his way to his spots. Um, he's somebody that is, uh, I think going to just kind of emerge and establish himself on the, on the national scene, uh, because he was good last year, but I think people are going to come around and kind of get to know him a little bit better. I like that pick. I, uh, you know, th- there's always guys that you can kind of go off the beaten path and find. And uh, especially when they transferred from a high major to a low major, like uh, we saw with Pajemski, right? He goes from Illinois to Santa Clara and then everyone's watching and everyone's paying attention. There's some guys like on the West Coast, Pierre Cockrell um, is a guy who's a fifth year at UC Irvine that I think is going to get some recognition. He's been doing great at all these point guard camps. So that's that's more off the beaten path. I like where your head's at. And I like that we're going... Because I'm staying high major here with my second pick. And uh, I didn't even tell you this one because I was going to go with Riley Kugel, uh, our guy down in Florida. I thought he was going to be my pick. But I woke up this morning and it really hit me, especially as I see all these top five lists of players in basketball this year. Hunter Dickinson seems to be like the consensus pick at Kansas. But I think that the, the, the two best players on this team are Kevin McCuller and my pick as my number two guy who's going to take that next step into the forefront. 
And his name is KJ Adams. I think KJ Adams is going to be an absolute superstar at Kansas this year. He went from a freshman that basically played, you know, sparingly at best on a national championship team. Last year, he ends up being uh, the most improved player in the Big 12, takes a big leap. I love that he plays the small ball five. I think that there's going to be um, a, a play in our mind that's ingrained in our mind this entire season. It's going to be Hunter Dickinson coming down the free throw line and throwing a lob to K.J. Adams for an alley-oop. But I think that is going to be something that we see a lot. I think K.J. Adams is going to be actually more um, you know, of a fit in this Kansas defense. And I think when they have to go small and they play K.J. Adams and they take Hunter off the floor, whether it be foul trouble, they're going to be even more dangerous. And I think KJ Adams offensive game is going to get even better this year. So I, I think a lot of people may know his name. They may have seen him before, but this junior year, I think KJ Adams could be in the national player of the year conversation. So KJ Adams, if you don't know, now, you know, Kyle, man, what do you like about KJ Adams? Uh, I, I am uh, losing a lot of sleep thinking about the champions classic, thinking about that Kansas front line, you know, coming into, into, into Chicago, uh, Kentucky is just not ready or prepared to defend that front line McCullough and Adams specifically that, you know, I, I just think, and then, and then you think about Dickinson's in any guys that can kind of dribble and have any kind of substantial size, I think you're going to give them, you know, issues, but I think are going to give Kentucky issues. And I think Adams fits that bill, but he's going to be able to roam in that dunker spot. He's got kind of that big Joey Dorsey kind of body where it's like, he's not like a true five, but he he's just very, very built um, is a lob threat is, does a great job reading screens um, really, really physical, but he's going to be able the Dickinson's ability to space the floor, uh, is going to pair really well with Adams. You know, that, there, that front court is the main reason why I feel so confidently about Kansas this coming year. Yeah, I think that big three that Kansas has with Dewan, Kevin McCullough, and KJ Adams, I think that is the real core of that team. And Hunter Dickinson can pick and choose his spots to be dominant like he can be. I don't think he has to be, like at Michigan last year, it was we need Hunter to be our primary scorer. We need Hunter to be our primary defender. We need to put a lot on his shoulders. I think Kansas already has an infrastructure outside of Hunter Dickinson. And every single interview I've seen of Bill Self when he talks about this team, it starts with Kevin McCullough and it starts with KJ Adams. And I think those are the two guys that are the actual stars. That, that kind of happens in college basketball media. It's like, uh, you know, there's a guy who gets designated as the star player of the team. But if you actually watch the games, there's actually two or three real stars of the team, right? Um, I mean, North Carolina comes to mind when you talked about that national championship run. Armando Baycott was the designated star, but really it was RJ Davis, Caleb Love, and Brady Manick, right? That were the real drivers of the machine. And I think Kansas is going to have a similar situation this year. Even if Hunter Dickinson does get first team All-American, does end up in the national player of the year conversation, I think you can point to McCuller and you can point to KJ Adams as, as the real stars so uh that'll be fun i went high major for both mine who's your last guy coming uh this is a guy that we're both familiar with you mentioned memphis earlier i was going to talk about jaquan walt and the guy who's transferred from wichita state to memphis who's going to be a good player was a great catch and shoot player at almost 44 percent from three a little bit he was maybe going to go to bama but i'm going to talk about jordan brown who is just sort of a he's become a nomad he started out uh, at nevada playing for eric musselman on that team with the martin twins with caleb martin and uh and cody martin uh, a good Nevada team. I think they were like 29-5, had, had a really good season. Lost in the first round of the tournament to Florida. But um, he then he transfers to Arizona. He's a guy who's always had talent. He's just kind of been, you know, you'll, you'll hear coaches sometimes talk about like, you know, co you, you don't want to coach that guy now. You know, I want to coach him in a few years. I think Don, well, Don Nelson used to say that, not every coach. But um, it's not, not the most compassionate thing to say in the world. But uh, so, yeah, Jordan Brown is a guy who's just like um a pure post-up guy. He's like a traditional, but he's only, he's, you know, he's probably 6'9", six, 6'10", six, can get a lot of buckets. He has the kind of that slow pace to him. Um, he's going to be a good player for Memphis, I think. It's interesting that they're maybe not going to have DeAndre Williams when they have Jordan Brown coming in here. I think he's going to fit the bill for them. Yeah, I think Jordan Brown is a uh, a five-star type player, right? He has that level and that ceiling when he is locked in. And I watched him at the Asheville Championship, Louisiana. They won that tournament. Um, he could have easily been the MVP of that tournament, but he has a little bit of Embiid syndrome at times. Um, and this is no knock on Embiid, but you know, sometimes you're just like, why can't this guy just just go do it? And then when he does, yeah. do it, you're like, yes, this is this is what I'm talking about, right? I, I thought you were going to say get it out. Like when he's posting, sometimes I'm like, get it out of there. Get it out of there. What are you doing? Right, you know, right. don't force it. Right. And and it does feel like he is old school in that way where he is. 
He seems like the kind of guy, as he went to all these schools that he transferred to, he asked how many post touches he's going to get, right? That's one of his first questions when he goes into these meetings, and that's why he bounced around a little bit. Arizona had a lot of depth, um, you know, as far as their big, so that's why it didn't really work there. Louisiana, he ends up being kind of a, a focal point and a star for them, and they go to the tournament last year. They could have easily upset Tennessee in that first-round game. That was a great response by Rick Barnes in Tennessee, but Louisiana was a really good basketball team, <laughs> thanks to Jordan Brown. I mean, he was the, the guy, and having him and DeAndre Williams, those are two legit bigs that make Memphis a legit contender. And if you get Jordan Brown playing to that ceiling, Penny gets him to buy in, he's going to be a scary sight. And I think you're right. I think he's going to be a guy that um, definitely takes that leap. And, and and maybe he feels familiar because people will know Jordan Brown. I remember when he was getting recruited. He's a pro- prolific prep kid. So uh, there mm-hmm. you go, Jordan Brown. I like that. Like the real that. heads who follow it that closely. Yeah, you were talking about the the po- how many posts touches can I get? This guy averaged 19.3 points per game last year, eight and a half rebounds, but 40.6% of his possessions were post-ups, which is very, very high. Um, so pretty pretty impressive. The rest of that just kind of being rim runs and offensive rebounds and stuff like that. But yeah, he, he eats in the post. Hopefully he can yeah. develop more of a passer this year. Dwight Howard is just licking his lips at that idea. He's like, please give me those post touches. Dominate and wants those post touches all day. You know what I mean? So uh, there you go. I like those. I like those picks for us. Um, I like we went off the beaten path and high major. I like when we deviate from the plan. We didn't pick the same two guys. So, yeah, those are two names and uh, from each of us that you need to know this season. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like. Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Now let's talk about secret scrimmages, Kyle, man, because it is secret scrimmage season. We get all the reports. Um, There's a lot of great games that are happening as far as the secret scrimmages. We got Baylor playing Gonzaga, uh, allegedly in Vegas. Uh, Nothing has come out of that. Maryland's playing Virginia, Marquette, Mizzou. Um, There's just a lot of fun games that are happening. Of course, like these are quote-unquote secret scrimmages because no reporters are allowed to actually go and cover these games so the teams can dictate what comes out and what highlights they put out. The most uh, fascinating nugget to come out so far is about Georgetown playing Wake Forest. I don't know if you saw this, Kyle, man, but this is the headline of the secret scrimmage season so far. Georgetown, Ed Cooley's first game um, as a coach, wink, wink, secret scrimmage time. He plays Wake Forest and apparently, allegedly, transfer Jaden Epps from Illinois had 46 points in this game. And uh, a lot of times, Scout Man, you see these secret scrimmage. Uh, there are a lot of fake tweets out there, a lot of fake news, because a lot of funny guys want to put out, like, this team got smashed. 
and this player that they love had, you know, amazing, you know, 50 points or whatever. But allegedly, this is true. Jaden Epps, Georgetown beat Wake Forest, and he has 46 points. Are we buying into the hype of Georgetown? Do we believe in Ed Cooley based on the secret scrimmage tapes that we've never seen? I, my first thing I would say is release the tapes. If you're out there, if right. you're a, if you're a video coordinator and you have access to it, you know, and you want to you want to throw a bone to your favorite guys on OSP, please do. We want to see it because yeah. it's hard for me to. I, I say that because uh, it's hard for me to make a call. You know, I got to I got to see was it was it just sort of uh, how how were these big buckets being gotten? How was it being officiated? I don't know. Uh, but you don't score forty six points accidentally. You know, it's it's kind of a it's it's hard to fluke your way into that many points. I'd have to see it to sort of make a real firm, educated ruling. But uh, I'll I'll lean I'll lean towards believing in it a little bit. Now is he gonna? I, I don't know. How do you feel? I like Jaden Epps a lot, and I like his game. And I thought Jaden Epps was going to be the point guard of the future for Illinois. And for whatever reason, between him and Sky Clark, it all fell apart. And even Curbelo before that, they. But Jimsky, something's right. going on in Illinois. You can't uh, can't keep their guards. They can't keep the point guard. They can't keep the lead guard. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because Coleman Hawkins is there and he thinks he's the point guard. I mean, there there's a lot of uh, back and forth as to why it won't work out. Maybe Brad Underwood wants to have control of that position. Who knows what what you can point to? But what you can say is that Jay Neps is a, a, incredibly talented, incredibly gifted naturally. Um, I think he has the uh, the wherewithal to be a great point guard, and the fact that. He he played like that, and he's playing at Georgetown where Allen Iverson played. Um, it's encouraging stuff. So 46 points anywhere is good by me. Uh, we did get some tapes from the West Virginia Vanderbilt game, and I watched some of the clips, Kyle, man. Kirk Kreese throwing a lot of alley-oops. Um, so I wanted to put that on your radar. Kirk Kreese and West Virginia, they lost this game to Vanderbilt uh, based on what was reported by the non-reporters. So who knows how true it is. But uh, what's coming out is that Vanderbilt won this game. But Kirk Kreese, it looked like he was having fun. That made me happy. That warmed my heart. We need some capital J's to get in there and put their put their name and their credibility on the line and report on this stuff. I When I think about like secret scrimmages, I mean, I think back about like, Back when, like the the like traditionally or historically black colleges, whenever they would secretly switch scrimmage against you know these other schools, I know this would happen in North Carolina. It would happen in a few different places in the South where uh, it was frowned upon, obviously. And uh, I've always found that really fascinating. I don't know if anybody's ever done any work on that. I would I would I would read that or watch that if they have. Um, but then also, I mean, I always remembered hearing about the uh, the Kevin Stallings North Carolina scrimmages. Those are the ones I always heard about. Now, I remember the first time I heard about it, I was like, "What is this? What are these secret scrimmages?" I mean, they they instantly get, but it feels like it's a way way more prevalent thing now. You know, it's like uh, it, as opposed in the past, or maybe it's just it's it's a social media thing. We're just hearing about it, and it's always been a really common thing. Yeah, it used to be actually secret. It used to be like all of these mess. You'd have to go to message boards to read about what happened in the Vanderbilt, North Carolina scrimmage. And I think uh, the most famous version of that was after the national championship, Vanderbilt came. This is 09, 010 season. Carolina's, you know, revamping the whole team. Vanderbilt allegedly beat them in a secret scrimmage. And then North Carolina, of course, ended up going to NIT that year. So it was a precursor of what was to come because Vanderbilt was actually better than them. And also Kevin Stallings' son, Jacob Stallings played on the baseball team in Chapel Hill, who's friendly with Roy Williams. But you're right. I mean, they used to be actually secret. And now you can look up uh, pretty much anything you want to know or as much as they're willing to tell you. And it's actually an NCAA rule that journalists cannot cover these games. They cannot be there. So it was a way for coaches and, you know, the athletic departments to kind of stick it to the media to say, you don't get full access. When we go secret, you see nothing. You know what I mean? But we're going to put it out ourselves in a press release and on social media. I think it's definitely just more prevalent because of social media. And we talk about it more. We know more. And you got the scoopers out there like the truly Donovans of the world that are putting out the entire list of all the secret scrimmages that are happening. I mean, UConn's playing Virginia. I think if it's 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Dan Hurley, Tony Bennett, they never let anybody know that happened, right? You know, I mean, if Maryland's playing Virginia, I think that those two programs keep everything insular. That's not going to get out to the world. Um, FAU playing in North Carolina, that's probably something that FAU wants to put out there if they go in there and win, right? Yeah. That's what it happens a lot with this now, where it's like, whoever wins the scrimmage, 
they they try to renege on their agreement and say, um, actually, we would like to put out the clips. Can, can we? Can we release yeah, their their Twitter location is turned on mysteriously. Oh, what what's this? You know, oh, just right. happened to be at a taqueria in Chapel Hill this weekend. Yeah, what? Sorry, you know. Yeah. Uh, Remember last sense. year, uh, TCU beat Alabama uh, allegedly by thirty points in a secret scrimmage. So much so that Alabama had a had a players only meeting after a secret scrimmage. That was the the most egregious secret scrimmage coverage I've ever seen. Where we knew so much that it was so bad that Alabama said we have to have a team and players only meeting to address what happened in the secret scrimmage against TCU. So and then the the hype for TCU goes to the moon. Right. And that's what's happening right now with Georgetown. People hear Jay Neff scores 46 points. And now you got Georgetown fans believing, hey, don't count us out of the Big East race. Here we go. We got Jay Neff. So uh, it's always fun. The, the overreactions of secret scrimmage season. They're, they always go to the moon and uh, eventually we fall back to reality. But it's fun when we can hype it all up. And uh, is there anything, is Kentucky playing anyone in secret scrimmage season? Do you know? Have you seen any of this? Like, I, I don't think Cal's a big secret scrimmage guy. I don't think he likes to give the secrets out. Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't heard much about it. I guess I could, uh, I haven't heard any, any talk. I mean, the, most of the stories you hear from UK kind of s- summer scrimmage stuff is like folklore about teams coming through Lexington and working out and, you know, and maybe, you know, playing against NBA players. You'd hear about, a lot about that. I was thinking about back in the day, there used to be this thing in Kentucky called KBA, which was the Kentucky basketball Academy, which was like this multiplex kind of the thing where you'd have AAU things. Right. But they would have these runs, and you were talking about the message board days, which is when where I totally cut my teeth in online basketball uh, as like a kid. I mean, like 11, 12, 13, like right. very young. And I remember there was like this one where they were like, yeah, sometimes they'll play, they'll play these scrimmages, you know, where they'll play pros and stuff. And I remember I, I was probably 17, maybe 16. I talked my younger sister into driving to Lexington, our drive from where we lived. And we went, and it just so happened they were scrimmaging that day, and we got to watch a bunch of NBA players play against uh, the the Cats. Uh, but in terms of like Cal, I can see where Cal maybe wouldn't want to do it just because you were talking about the leaking the things. Everybody's out to, I mean, I know Cal plays the victim sometimes, but people like to get Cal. People like to stick yeah. to Cal, you know. So I, if, I w- if FIU comes up or Central Florida plays them in a scrimmage and they beat Kentucky. They're putting that out there. I mean, there's just no chance they're not putting it out there. They're going to put out a little video where they pan up to the scoreboard and back to the court. You know what I mean? And then Cal, Cal's up in arms and he's like, I can't trust anybody. And he gets even more insular. I mean, that, that's what happens when you're at a blue blood, right? I mean, you, you get start to get paranoid. You think everybody's out to get you. And Cal obviously is in, is in the thick of it. It's much better to have a pro day. Like I feel like Arkansas is they're they're on the very much. Let's just have our pro day. Let's have guys come back. We'll we'll scrimmage against some of the former pros that we know. Uh, maybe some some high schoolers that are big recruits. We come in and let them play our guys. But otherwise, we we keep it insular because we don't want to put ourselves out there and get it get exposed, quote unquote. Yeah, totally. Um, and another thing that goes into some of these scrimmages too is just you got to think the preparation's different. I mean, I know I know it's like it, it doesn't stop you know, normal people from showing up at a gym and playing ball against each other. And, you know, there's a winner and there's a loser and you feel good about that. But it is a little different. You know, I don't, I don't think that they're going in and crunching tape. It's kind of like we're talking about like prognosticating these college teams and trying to rank them. We don't know. God, God forbid, much less like write a scouting report that we're going to go execute against these teams. They may not have had any idea who Jay Neps was. I mean, that's very possible that that's partly what happened. And maybe if they played again, it'd go a little differently. Uh, it's hard to say, but uh these scrimmages, uh, for that reason, I think are a little bit. I think it's it's about it's more about yourself getting your stuff right, running your stuff, making sure that those those little details are right, and hopefully you win in the process. But I have to imagine it's more about like worrying about yourself, yourself, and your cohesion on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like it's just for the fans. It's for us to get optimistic and get hyped up and uh, and want to join in on the conversation and talk about how great we're going to be. And uh, even if you lose, if you lose a secret scrimmage, you wipe it away. It's just a scrimmage. Nobody's you know scouting each other. Who cares? If you win, it obviously just creates a little bit of uh, you know a, a wink wink kind of build up to say we really are that good this year. We're going to be great. So. Um, it's always fun. I, I love all the leagues from Secret Scrimmage Season. I appreciate everyone that locks in on it. And uh, please give us more scoops. Please give us more tape. 
Um, right, like I said, right now the MVP of Secret Scrimmage season is Jaden Epps. Congratulations, give him the trophy. Um, I love preseason trophies, so he deserves one for Secret Scrimmage season. But who knows? Someone else could step out, and uh, and maybe they have a great game, and we can talk about it uh, on the next show. Is this we got another week or so of Secret Scrimmages, so that'll be fun. Um, one last thing before we get the shoutouts, I asked you uh, about unbreakable records in college basketball. If there was one record that you're really locked in on that you think can can never be broken pistol pete is always the one that kind of comes to mind with this because pistol pete uh, some of the most ridiculous things ever happened under his watch with his dad being his coach at lsu but is there an unbreakable record kyle man that you highlighted that you're like this this will never be broken this this record is one of one yeah i mean your mind goes to the maravich stuff it's kind of funny that there's a, sort of a duality with the way like the public sort of lionizes and sort of like creates this like godlike kind of status for Maravich. And then you listen to some of the like players who are kind of in the trenches and they don't have nearly the same respect for him. Like if you listen to like Jerry West or like Pat Riley, Pat Riley famously has taken a lot of digs at Pete, at Pete Maravich back in the day. Um, I think more than just like the, to the point total with Maravich, um, the fact that he had 56 games where he scored 40 or more points and 26 games where he scored more than 50. That's just, obviously that's never going to happen again. Um, it's just, it's it's mythology. Like it's just somewhere else. Like it, it just couldn't happen. One that I think, um, I don't think that any basketball player is going to shoot fifty seven point three percent on a minimum of one hundred attempts from three ever again. Steve Kerr did that in eighty seven, eighty eight. Um, mainly, I don't think it's going to happen because of just the way defenses. It's it's a case of the way defenses have evolved over the years. You know, you think about eighty seven, eighty eight. Three, the three pointer was still not a prevalent thing. Like to to the extent that it is now, obviously. Yeah, I just don't think that's ever going to happen again. 57.3. I mean, I know Wofford had like a like a couple guys who shot like pretty bonkers number. Wasn't it like Storm? Uh, what was his name? And then uh, they had a couple guys that could really shoot it, but nothing like that. 57.3. It's never going down. Yeah, I don't think so either. And uh, back then, I mean, obviously Steve Kerr had the courtesy of, uh, you know, they're like, go ahead and take that shot. You know, I mean, no one, no one's going to make it that many times. That that was kind of always the uh, the approach is like, let them take the three. Um, North Carolina still uses that defense, and that's why they're struggling these days. But I mean, back then it was like, let Steve Kerr take the shot. We'll play the percentages right, and then we'll and then we'll get down the court and we'll go get a bucket. And Steve Kerr, um, I mean, even with the the Chicago Bulls, he and B.J. Armstrong. Those two guys are both shooting 45% from three. I mean, so you talk about what Michael Jordan had around him, but also the gravity of Michael Jordan gives you open shots. And if you make open shots, you get paid big money and uh, you become uh, one of the all-time great players and now coaches if you're Steve Kerr. So I like that. I think that's a great pick. And I also don't think anyone's going to shoot at that, at that level um, because they're also going to take more threes, right? Um, th that's really what it comes down to. If you're if you're shooting at 57%, your coach is going to say, keep shooting. And inevitably, it's going to go down. It's, it's what Miami Heat did with Duncan Robinson. They said, every time you have a little inkling of space, you shoot it no matter what. And then he starts hitting the side of the backboard and stuff like that because they're forcing him to take, 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 take. And then the percentages drop. And then they're like, why are you taking bad shots, right? It, it's a catch-22 um, in today's game. So uh, I like that pick. My pick is uh, the double-double record, career record, Tim Duncan, 87 career double-doubles in 128 games. That is uh, ridiculous, it, it, to say the least, that this guy uh, pretty much every single time he lines up, you're expecting a double-double. In his senior year, he shot 60% from the field. So Tim Duncan, 87 career double-doubles. I know a lot of people are saying to themselves, well, isn't Armando Baycott on the verge of breaking this record? And yes, that may be true, but four years still counts. And I, and I wanted to just frame that the right way, and that's why I wanted to talk about this. Four years is the number. Four years is the record. These COVID years, these fifth years, the, these waivers and grants or whatever you want to call it, I do not want them messing up records uh, that, that are impressive, like a Tim Duncan record. And I love Armando Baycott, but the fact that I just maybe it can be fine to be written in the record book. Of course, he broke the record. But let's just have the, the caveat of in five years, because what Tim Duncan did in four years is insane. Um, not to disparage Armando Baycott, but breaking it with an extra year does not feel the same way. Um, so I, I just wanted to put that out there. How do you feel about the double-double record and just five-year guys breaking four-year records? Um, going back to the points record, I mean, you really got this sort of palpable sense whenever Antoine Davis was flirting with 
getting close to getting that record, you could just feel from everybody being like, we don't want you to get this. Like yeah, I, I, everybody like, I talked to was like, buddy, like, I don't, you know, it's good that you scored a lot of points, but like, you know, if you get it, it's not the same thing. I guess it, there's all kinds of different adjustments over time that you have to make for, I mean, like the three pointer is a massive one, obviously. Like uh, if, if you're going to sort of like, sort of just sort of gerrymander the lines and the rules there on, on what's what's allowed but i definitely yeah i mean the the more than four years thing when it comes to like accruing like volume stats like that yeah i mean it's just not it's not the same and it, it's definitely needs some kind of a note like in a, in a footnote yeah we need a footnote um i don't i'm not saying we need an asterisk you know what i mean i think that's a bridge too far that feels like cheating or something like that but we just need a little little footnote a little addendum maybe a little annotation right maybe it's an annotation and i put it in there and i say tim duncan still has a double 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 doubles record but uh I'll leave it at that. Let's do some shout outs because this is a good one. Indiana fans, congratulations. Three straight classes with a five-star recruit. You are back. The Adidas bag is back. And Liam McNeely is going to Indiana to play for Mike Woodson. This was a big deal. He said that, you know, basically Indiana never wavered in their recruitment. They stayed in. They kept going after him. He's one of Cooper Flagg's great friends. Cooper Flagg, in fact, wore a Liam shirt to uh, celebrate his uh, commitment to Indiana. I was very happy for him. What do you know about Liam McNeely and why should who fans be excited about him uh, i mean just a pure shooter you know a guy from richardson texas uh yeah i mean he, he didn't shoot he wasn't like lights out this past summer but overall um he's got he's kind of it's similar to the conca nipple kind of thing like where he's kind of a pace player he can kind of bully people a little bit get to the rim sort of a sort of a wing you know who can he can be a secondary playmaker like a very very maybe an underqualified primary but an over you know he's very qualified to handle the ball and make decisions which if that's a guy that you have spotting up in your offense that's a great that's a great thing to have uh he's he's got a modern game um but like i said yeah just i think i think he's like 13th in his class yeah 66 i interesting is that i who's are you going to go after now this was the first commitment in the class uh you know it's interesting whatever you can have that first pillar you know, that big one to say like, hey, we got this. You could start to, you know, working that into your pitch. It's going to be interesting to see who they go after from now. Yeah, for now, yeah. because uh, Boogie Fland is also on the right. table too, another guy. Yeah, yeah, Boogie Fland is next up. I, I think that's the next commitment that Mike Woodson has on the board. He said, we get Liam, then we get Boogie, and then we make uh, our push to be Adidas's number one destination. And uh, we've been waiting a long time for Indiana to play the modern brand game and to actually use Adidas for good. Um, and I, I think Kansas does for the most part. They just, they, they're like, we are Adidas. We get these Adidas circuit kids and we get the best ones and we put them in the right positions and we get them to the league. So, uh, Indiana, welcome to the game. I like what Mike Woodson is doing. If you go back and look up the articles when Mike Woodson got hired and some of the disparaging comments that people made about his career trajectory at Indiana, it's a joke. It was laughable. It was laughable at the time from my vantage point, but to see it now and what he's been able to do compared to what Archie was doing, I, I don't understand. Look what was written about Archie when he got hired versus what was written when Mike Woodson got hired and just laugh to yourself because it is ridiculous in, in the coverage of both. And Mike Woodson is doing his part so far. So shout out to him. Another big timer group. We got Dylan Harper uh, going to take his official visit to Rutgers. It has kind of been a foregone conclusion that he's going to go to Rutgers and he has air Bailey also in the class. Another top five guy already committed to Rutgers. Kyle, man, what do you know about Dylan Harper? What do you like? Do you think he's going to end up in Piscataway playing uh, for Rutgers? Uh, Dylan Harper, you know, like we said, you know, he's got that kind of combo guard. He's got that, you know, he's got that athletic pop. He's a really fluid player, really fluid athlete. Um, you know, it's, it would be an interesting thing. I know he's being recruited by everybody. Um, he'd be, I think we talked about the other day, he'd be the biggest recruit probably in the history of Rutgers basketball. Yeah. Um, but, uh, New Jersey basketball, it's been popping kind of lately anyway, if you think about like the St. Peter's and the Seton Hall and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it, it seems like Northeast basketball overall is just kind of on an uptick. Yeah, I'm going to give credit to Rick Pitino for this. Even though he's in New York City, I'm going to say that it's trickle-down economics and it's going to New Jersey. Even though New Jersey's been really good, as I know, and as we saw with St. Peter's and obviously Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall, they look like they're going to be better in year two. Um, and Rutgers has been great. And uh, Steve Peichel deserves a lot of credit. 
And uh, the fact that he has a guy in Dylan Harper wanting to come play for that school and the fact that he's been so in it on the recruiting trail. Shout out to him. Let's keep rolling here. Shout out to Tom Izzo. He dressed up like Batman at the Breslin Center on Friday the 13th. Um, it was hilarious. Also, uh, Jace Richardson, son of Jason Richardson, committed to play for Michigan State. Obviously, Jason played for Tom Izzo some 20 years ago, and now he's going to have his son, four-star recruit coming. Um, that's going to be fun. I love the second-generation stars that we have in college basketball basketball and also Cohen Carr if you did not see this this guy did a dunk from the free throw line a double tomahawk dunk from the free throw line I um he I knew fly, he was man. yeah I knew he was athletic but I've never he, he flew like he was Batman and uh even though I guess Batman can't fly so maybe he flew better than Batman and uh Cohen Carr that was impressive stuff from the free throw line uh Kyle man what did you think about the Batman costume with Tom Izzo Izzo's broken out some pretty good costumes over the years. I mean, right. uh, he's, I, I like the playfulness. I wish, you know, I, I, I would encourage that. I wish, I wish our, I wish Kentucky would be a little more playful, a little more creative. They were way more creative back in the Patino days. I just want to say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. Um, I don't know. Are you guys, are you, are you, you're, you all are probably in that middle zone where it's like, you're probably not going to be dressing up at all. I've circled all the way back around where it's like, Julian is like all all of a sudden actively pressuring me to jump up or yeah. to to dress up. I'm probably going to be a skeleton. That's what he's pretty insistent about. Like um, any, I don't know. Are you guys are you guys on the board for a potential dress up? I can't yeah, be I Tom think. Brady anymore, so I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. Um, that was a, that was a, a running joke. Tom my friends like, God, Kyle's Tom Brady every fucking year. Uh, I can't do it anymore, and uh, I am going to a, a Halloween party this year, and it's uh, it Luca. does have a theme. It does have a theme. Uh, and it's college. So that, that's actually the one guy I can't be. The theme is college. So I cannot be Luca, actually. That's the one guy I can't be. Yeah, I'm excited uh, for, for the college theme. I think I'm going to the same party unless we yeah, have two so. parties with the same theme. No, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm excited to. Yeah, I might actually see. have to get with you, Tate, on that. I don't know. what I'm going to do I'm the bare do. minimum uh, <laughs> with my college costume. But uh, you're going to get fun. the you're going to get the John Belushi sweatshirt, aren't you? I know. No, I fucking I know it. No, don't do that's it. That's the tatest no. thing you you could do I, is get the I will not do that. that that's that, that will not happen. Come on. I got big I Jim Halpert energy. Are you kind of one of those like you just intentionally sort of do the uh the no, aggressively the, la the last time that we went to this party, Kyle, I was Ferris Bueller. You know what I mean? That was perfect. That was that was I had the jacket, I had everything. It was a great moment in time. And uh and then the the pandemic really just turned me off from everything. I was just like a nihilist, and now I'm coming back to to reality and being positive. So I'm excited to dress up again. I'm excited. I, I just moved in this neighborhood. I'm going to give out candy to the kids. You know what I mean? I got full size chocolate bars. I got Damn. full size. Like, I, like, Setting I the tone. Kids, yeah, Setting the fucking tone. This is the house to come to if you want some five star candy. Uh, so uh, five star. <laughs> I'm fired up about that. But yeah, I mean, the, the dressing up part kind of it, it comes back with your kids. You know, if I if I had kids, I, I would be right there with you. So. I, I respect the hustle. I respect the grind. And uh, shout out to everybody that's getting ready for Halloween. It's right around the corner. Um, speaking of Halloween, shout out to Travis Scott. I feel like he's a guy that loves Hall Halloween. And uh, he was at UNC practice. Um, that was a very strange collaboration of things that happened. Once upon a time, Travis Scott uh, was uh, you know, at Grantland, at the Grantland offices, and let me interview him. It was one of the strangest interviews of my entire life. And uh, he's, he's an interesting character, to say the least. But he was at UNC. He went to practice, shot the ball around. It's very like uh, trying – he's trying to be like Drake, I feel like. He's just trying to get into the college atmosphere and get people excited. But also, Elliot Cadeau was awesome in this game. Did you see any highlights of this? Elliot Cadeau, we we were we were buying in on him as a potential one and done. He looked amazing in the blue white game, Kyle man. Yeah, I was gonna say got a little got a little look at Travis Scott's uh jumper mechanics. Not, not the best. Good. Not nope. the best. Mm -mm. He's not shooting a whole lot, you can tell. Didn't hasn't spent a lot of time in the gym, but uh it's it's way out there in the front, very blockable, very slow. <laughs> it's gonna be a problem. But he also looks like the kind of guy who thinks he's a good shooter and would just keep shooting, which yeah. I guess adds up. But yeah, Cadeau, man, I, I, I'm very high on him. I lo love his basketball IQ. He's just a just a very uh, multi-tool player. Very smart, very useful. Not surprised at all that he played well out of the box. Yeah, I, 
I was excited to see it. It it felt like when Kobe White played in his blue white game and it just, you know, everyone was like, okay, we really got someone that's going to be legit in the league. So shout out to him. Shout out to Caitlin Clark. Had a 30-point triple-double in front of 56,000 people in the Iowa football stadium. I know Kyle was fired up about this. Uh, he's a big Caitlin Clark guy. Um, and to see her drop, you know, a triple-double in front of that many people and to see a full stadium watching Caitlin Clark, that was pretty cool. So did shout you, out to that moment. Did you have any thoughts on the placement of the court? Because <laughs> well, it was, was not ridiculous. it was not at yeah. the 50, like everyone would assume. It was right. at the 20 and backed up into somebody's end zone. But they sold tickets for the whole thing. So there's like a whole part of the stadium that's just watching this game being played in the other end zone. I don't know. It was, uh, just it was there a, for the party at that point. Interesting think, choice. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just a crazy play. atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. I, and they wave to the kids like they do at a football game at the Children's Hospital. I mean, it was a whole thing. I mean, Caitlin Clark is one of the biggest stars in, in college sports and in sports in general. So shout out to her. That was cool. Um, shout out to Midnight Madness. They're happening, but they've lost their special sauce. Uh, you kind of uh, alluded to this, Kyle, when you were talking earlier about Kentucky. But it used to be Midnight Madness happened. It's the first time you've seen insert player in your actual jersey for the season. First time you see them actually on a court together. I think social media has ruined that and if I was a program right now if I was like BYU or a, a program a little bit off the beaten path I would just never put out any clips until Midnight Madness and and be a little bit nostalgic about it and then it becomes a thing again but we need the special sauce we need to protect the images that come out of these players especially with all the the mini photo days and things like that it used to have this special kind of moment and now it's gone and I don't know how to fix Midnight Madness but I think it, it starts with one program putting their foot down and saying we're not putting out clips before anything do not release the tapes and then we'll put it out at midnight madness how do you feel about midnight madness right now is it over is it officially a, a pastime because it feels like it yeah i i think it's not going to be so much about the basketball as much as it's just get, they're going to have to be creative about the show make it make it a show and we'll see how much we can get college coaches to buy in on that but i remember i've said this before but like back in the day um i remember recording midnight madness on a vhs like staying up and like just rewatching it over and over again because it was early hoops internet and the clips, there's just the scarcity of information. You know, I was like, oh God, I, I got to see Marvin Stone and Keith Bogans in a Kentucky uniform. Right. Let me, I got to, I got to lay eyes on them and scout them because literally all you had was like these like horrible impegs that you could maybe get a hold of from like some of these news sites. Um, the footage was just not there. So I, I think that's a bygone era. I don't think we're ever going to see that again when you consider EYBL and the Hoop Summit. We just see these guys so much, like the explosion, the mixtape culture and all that stuff. Like we're, there's no going back. I think it's going to be more about the show. And uh, I don't know. I just don't. I, I find my, I don't even watch it. Usually I didn't watch UK's. I, I saw like a minute of it and it was just kind of layups. And I was like, cool, not watching this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your time <laughs> yeah. becomes valuable at some point. It, it all kind of went away. Kyle, do you have any headlines or any shout outs before you get out of here? Anything from you? Yeah. Shout out. Uh, here it is. Shout out to uh, Adidas, I guess, but really more shout out to the guy that Adidas just uh, won their appeal against, uh, which would be this is not this is not Bruce Bowen, this is Brian Bowen, the yes. second. Uh, he just lost his uh, appeal <laughs> to uh, uh, to his lawsuit against Adidas, and there's racketeering. I'm not even sure what exactly what's going on here. I'm sure you know all the stuff, but um, he he tried it. He tried it. Adidas came out on top. So shout out to uh, the the old trope, and shout out to this guy for trying. Yeah, Brian Bowen, Kyle, is the is the player that got Rick Pitino fired at Louisville. He's the one that said it was the easiest recruitment of his career on his yeah. radio show. And then Brian Bowen is the one who's getting Adidas payments. And basically, and then he, everyone pointed a finger at him, right? That's what happened? Yes. And then basically, uh, Louisville pointed the finger at Adidas and said they actually defrauded us as a university. We did not know this kid was getting payments. And then everyone wiped their hands clean, except for Brian Bowen, who <laughs> did not get any of what he was promised and got screwed over the so uh yeah the crazy thing is he wasn't even that good like i mean he oh, was an okay player but it's like you know he just was in that like 20 like 15 to 25 range where it's like we think he's gonna be good but he wasn't like a dominant you know blue chipper coming in so it is kind of odd that that's or there's something a little funny about that that being the little you know you know in like uh, black sheep when the eagle comes and craps on the rock and the rock falls you know you, you guys know black sheep right 
Yeah, right. And that, that's right. the domino effect, right? I mean, that that's how it happens. And then yeah. uh, we're all talking about how Adidas gets <laughs> players uh, funneled to certain schools and the whole system was supposedly going to get blown up, but instead it turned into NIL. And now it's, you know, we got guys signed to Nike like Bronny James. So uh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, Kyle, anything else? What other? Let's run through some more shout outs. Uh, here's a here's a quote from uh, Bill Self when just discussing his uh, the probably not the not the best thing for him to say but i mean i don't really know if there was anything right for him to say he just says uh the unknown was probably as much of a penalty as anything <laughs> going uh jesus going the period of that time uh that we did with the unknown and not knowing how to dress or how to attack it uh which is just <laughs> It's just kind of funny with all the all the headlines swirling around. Everyone's like, wow, you guys really lucked out. And then it's just like, yeah, I mean, not knowing was probably as basically we already were punished. <laughs> yeah, that, that is always what you say after you get done with the NCAA investigation. You say the cloud that was over the program was actually more penal than anything that could have been handed out by the NCAA. Therefore, you've already served your sentence and it's behind you. It's it's genius. It's what masterful games- coach speak. Well, masterful. then he also went on to say, uh, but I'll make one thing clear. The penalties that were imposed today were basically the vacation of wins. The three years probation and the other penalties that have been discussed were self-imposed penalties. So this mm-hmm. is Meadows suggesting that the parents take away the credit cards for two weeks after she threw the uh, threw the party in grandma's house, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. He's like, by the way, I already did this. I, I think that, I don't know. It was just, uh, I think it's funny to have those two quotes in, together. Shout out to Bill Self. I mean, Shout the out guy- to Bill Self. Just navigating. Yeah, he He's just yeah, out here he navigating. That, that guy's a leader. He's a leader of men. Uh, anything else, Kyle? That's all I got. Okay. RIP Suzanne Summers. Um, I love Suzanne Summers. And I know that uh, a lot of people didn't grow up in Henderson, North Carolina, but watching Three's Company as like a five-year-old, six-year-old with my grandparents, that's when I knew I, I fell in love. And it was with Suzanne Summers. And uh, I feel like the oldest man who's a 30-year-old because I was actually affected when I saw that news. I had to text Cousin Sal about it. He was also just as affected. I felt like I grew up in the 70s or the 80s. Um, but yeah, she's a legend. She's an icon. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to see that. Also, um, speaking of, uh, this is our in memoriam, uh, Brendan Malone, one of the greatest coaches. Uh, five, I got my five-star shirt on. He was one of my favorite interviews. One of the, one of the best basketball people I've ever talked to. And his son, Mike Malone, just won the NBA championship. He also passed away. So those two guys, I wanted to shout out before we get out of here. And uh, on the the bright side, uh, to leave us on a high note here, Maui schools are reopening right now. So uh, after the the, the Lahaina fires that we saw, a lot of, uh, you know, bad stuff happening in Maui, we do have have some good news that uh, schools are finally reopening. And uh, they're going to play the Maui Invitational, like we said, in Hawaii, but not in Maui. But um, so some good news to leave us there. Kyle, man, I know you're not feeling well. We want you to feel better. We want you to get some rest. Anything else before we get out of here no i'm gonna go lay down <laughs> good. good kyle man needs to go lay I down i feel terrible i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah. shout everyone, out to you kyle man shout out to thanks you. guys thanks uh, guys man great work uh everyone out there that's not feeling well as the seasons are changing get some sleep get some rest maybe take a day off watch some threes company do what you got to do and we will see you later this week on thursday This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.